privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Car intercepted. All right. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Shock Therapy. I'm going to be your host today. I'm Zach Alfers, bringing you a very special episode, a little bit of a different episode just to keep things fresh and entertaining for all of our listeners. We're going to switch up the format a bit. Not with me today is my co-host, Tyler Lawrence. He just got married last week. So um, congrats to Tyler and his new wife, Sam. They're both in Hawaii right now on their honeymoon, probably enjoying a tropical cocktail or chilling on a beach somewhere. I've honestly never been to Hawaii, but I heard that that's what people do when they go. So really happy for the both of them. Hope they're having a blast. Meanwhile, uh, we are getting ready for a very exciting time. Chargers training camp is in full swing. The Bulls just completed their ninth practice of training camp. We have 10 more uh, before we get ready for this 2022 season. And we're gearing up for tonight's intra-squad scrimmage, which will be held at 5 p.m. Pacific time out here. Um, at Jack Hammett Sports Complex. Looking forward to those battles. And so we haven't recorded an episode out here in Shock Therapy in a couple of weeks, and we have tons to get into. But I felt like it was unnecessary to face this burden alone, so I decided to reach out for some help this morning um, and wanted to welcome a very special guest to today's show. Some of you may already be familiar. He's very active on Chargers social media, has seen a lot of Chargers football over the years, has been a fan since 1964. So I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Anthony James. So Anthony, how are you How are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. Good morning, and it's an honor and a pleasure to share the day with the Charger fans all over. Man, and it is a, a exciting time to be a Charger fan. And I mean, you've obviously been a fan for a long time. It says it in your header. I mentioned 1964. It's what's in your Twitter bio. But I was curious, is there a defining moment that you can point to that got you to start following this team? Or was it something that kind of just gradually grew on you over time? Well, uh, 
I'll show how it was. Um, I'm 68 years old. So in 64, I was 10 years old. And as a kid, then uh, professional wrestling was kind of big in New York. Okay. And, and it was that it was like much more. You thought it was real than it is today. Sure. And this Saturday morning, they, uh, there's a there's a bout going on, and they announce the wrestler, and they say Ernie Led with the San Diego Chargers. And I used to like him. I used to watch him wrestle. So the next day, because it was Saturday morning, the next day I put on Channel Four because Channel Four had the AFL back then. It was Channel mm-hmm. Channel, and uh, CBS had the uh, NFL, and NBC had the AFL back then. Okay. And I put on the games. I watched the first game, Jets against somebody, because they were the New York team they were on. And the four o'clock game was the Chargers and the Chiefs. And I seen Ernie Led, but then I also seen this number 19. See the jersey behind me? Yeah. Okay. I seen this guy play. And my mother had a color TV. And that made it even more special to see the, the, the Chargers gold, the, the lightning bolt, the horse. And from then on, you know, and, and don't forget, there was no internet. There was no, uh, if they were on TV and it was lucky, you would get them a, at least a couple of times a month, whether it was a Charger Chiefs, Charger Raiders, Charger Broncos, and then Chiefs Raiders, Chief, Chief Broncos. You always got that four o'clock game in New York. And I caught on and I would have to, you know, like today you can read, you had to there was a local newspaper that came out. It was called the Pro Football Week. It wasn't local to New York. It was, it was a once-a-week paper. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it cost 75 cents back then. Nice. For a kid. And yeah. there were two stories in it. There was a like a gossip column story, and then there was a story on the game. And the the lead writer actually was from San Diego, Jerry Maggi. He had the article in that charges were his team. And San Diego Chargers, of course, and he wrote on page two. So for me, then on, you know, I'm loyal, and I never look back. And I would always follow them, follow Lance Allworth, mm-hmm. best I can from three thousand miles away or five thousand miles away, whatever it is. Right. Work the TV guide, as they say back then. To yeah. See if we were going to be on in a game where the Jets and Giants were blacked out, so uh-huh. NBC would would put a game on. So I made it work. I'd buy every paper that I could get that had a story on the charts. And I followed it. And as finally in life, technology comes along and makes life easier. YouTube and the internet. And I would, um, when I first got the internet, I used to follow the San Diego Tribune. I became a subscriber there. And I would get the sports section online. I could read all the columns. Kevin A.C., uh, Sullivan. All the different guys, Nick Canepa, great writers. Mm-hmm. I would always follow them. You know, I, I was sad for the city of San Diego. But when the, the uh, Chargers had to leave, but you're looking back, this it's 50-50, you know. Uh, my, impression, my my ter- ter- interpretation is you if you had 150, if you had 50 cities in New York, in the world, in America, I'm sorry, you took three cities per state. That's 150 cities. You only have 32 NFL teams. Right. You don't want, and you have one of them. You wanted to, to leave? No, no, I, I get it. And I mean, it, it makes sense from, I, I understand why fans are upset. And I was too, you know, born in San Diego, having that team uprooted. Um, it was tough for me. But, you, you know, just watching the product, 
now that they're in Los Angeles, watching the buzz that this team is building, it 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 makes sense. You know that that national media has never picked up on the Chargers the the way that they are reporting on them now. And I think a big part of it, yes, is Justin Herbert getting Brandon Staley in there, acquiring all these new superstars. But in a big part, it is also Los Angeles because it's a big market. It, it gets more attention there, and so yeah, it, it's tough. But you, you're taking a look at this team, and they are playing very well uh, right now in Los Angeles and still trying to identify themselves in that city, kind of build their fan base. But it feels so genuine because you have diehards like you and myself and then this new era of Charger football fans um, that are coming out of the woodworks, which is really exciting to see. That's very nice for the Charger fans to, to, to follow. And when you, you talk about like this team with Herbert, what I, what I see is – what I listened to his peers, I'm a carpenter by trade, right? And I worked in okay. construction. And you, if I was working in a job, you could see another carpenter doing the same kind of work, but you could see his skill level was better. He could cut a piece of sheetrock quicker, or he could make a Maya cut better. So when I listen on TV, I like to listen to the announcers who played the game, mm -hmm. who see what they say from the perspective of doing the work themselves. Right. And when I heard, listened to like Chris Collinsworth talk about how um, Herbert could dissect that two seconds from one side of the field to the other, or Terry Terry Bradshaw had said something two years ago in a game that Fox had carried, and he said something about the way Herbert flicks his wrist, the way the ball comes out of his wrist, and I would never see that. I don't know right. if you can ever pick up on that, but a quarterback could. Right. So the things that they see, and 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 I give Dean credit. Dean knew when you're going into a new building, when you're going into a new neighborhood, when you're going into a big party, you got to dress accordingly. Mm -hmm. And he knew the opportunity now was to throw everything out and go the way of making this all work. Surround this young man with the things that Faust never really had. Faust had the great offense, but we never had – that killer defense. Rivers had a couple of years, but the GM then made people leave. Right. He made good people walk away before. And then you looked at the secretary and the things were happening. And uh, he could never get those 2006 to 2019 back. I know. And that was such a bummer. Well, and then talk, let's talk, let's talk about that for a second. You know, you, sure. you, you saw the 64 AFL championship team, you experienced the Air Coriel area with Dan Fouts, um, that explosive offense. You were here through those Marty Ball era teams through the 2000s, led by that Hall of Fame trio of LaDainian Tomlinson, Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates. You've seen a lot of good Chargers teams over the years. You've also seen some not-so-great teams mixed in there as well. So, you know, looking at this current roster heading into 2022, how excited are you for the season? And where do you think – where would you rank this team's roster talent? You know, it's, it's too early to – compare um you know in season but the roster talent where would you rank that compared to those other charger squads that i mentioned i think the potential is is greater because mm -hmm. there's there's more a of a, a whole it's more not just different pieces together all pieces coming together becoming seamless the whole idea is to making everything work as one that's just my opinion as mm -hmm. a fan there were always things missing but this team's got karma and karma works. Karma works. Some of those bad teams, you know, 
You look at the decisions that they made moving up one spot. Yeah. They left Ryan Lee from what they gave up to move up one spot. Mike Riley, the head coach, begged Bobby Bethett with one. The Chargers had three six-round picks in 2000. And he begged Bobby Bethett to use one on this quarterback from Michigan. And that kid turned out to be Tom Brady. So yeah. now we get the number six. We get we get the quarterback that Miami didn't want. If you if you Charger fans want to know about a gift, we if you knew tomorrow you got the pick in the draft, and you knew what Herbert was, and and the guy, and I'm in front of you, you would wait for me to take. The, the guy you might not get, or would you make it your business to go get Herbert? I would go get him. I mean, I go get him. You're taking, you're, you're watching this guy. Ball explodes out of his wrist. He has all the mental acumen up, you know, on top of his shoulders. All the talent in the world, um, but he he's smart. He and people, you know, listen to him. They hang on his every word, and he doesn't say much, but he's a leader. Um, off the on the field and off the field, people gravitate towards them, um, and I think that's a big reason why the excitement around this team is, is buzzing. That you have Brandon Staley, who who wants to do things different and love them or hate them, he's going to do it his way. Um, and out here on the West Coast, like I was saying, we have Charger fans coming out from all parts that I didn't know existed. Um, and so I was curious: is the buzz on the East Coast similar? Do you, do you run into Charger fans out there in New York? So uh, my older daughter, has a, has a, who's a big Charger fan, she went out to training camp. She was at the game when they beat Baltimore in Baltimore in the playoffs. That and was a fun yeah, game. Yes. And she was there and she wears a – we went to a, a quite a few games together mm -hmm. in, in the Meadowlands. And we've seen some uh, historic games. Um, but, yes, I see people in the street. And anytime I see somebody that's got a lightning bolt or a charger jersey, I stop them. Or they'll see me and they'll stop yeah. me. We have a few. There's a bar in, in Manhattan that's a charger bar. You know, before COVID, I would go there a few times. But I'm not a bar person because uh, I tend to wait till the play is over. I don't cheer a play until I know the play is in the book. And some fans like will just react right away of a pass and it's a catch, but it, it might not be ruled a pass or a catch first. Right. Let the play play out. <laughs> you know, I'm old-fashioned that way. I, uh, uh, in sports, you know, you I was an offensive guard. You made a good play. That's it. You didn't you didn't rub it in the other guy's face. You just went to the next play. And mm -hmm. but there there are Charger fans here. There is a fan base here, and. We really don't need it. Look, we just need it within them. I right. think what you said, they see something in this young man. Uh, you're, I'm a carpenter. I can mm -hmm. see a young guy come on the job and be a sheetrock or woodwork. You can look at his, his tool sets and you can look at his way he's working. You know this guy's going to be good. Same thing. Those guys on that field, they might not say it like in words all the time, but they know they have something there that's worth protecting. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, yes. Yes. And I think that's the direction. And that's what I'm proud of most is that the fact that finally this coach, and I think Dean Spanos had a lot to do with hiring this guy. This guy wasn't like going to be like a Wayne Garrett 
Let's play the ball. Play the rules. Run, run, run. And then punt if you don't get it. Run, run. Pass and punt if you don't get it. I'm going to use the tools that I have. And I'm going mm-hmm. to find them to make them work. Let them stop us. Absolutely. Football is designed for that now. It's not like, you know, you know, in the days of uh, uh, Lance Allworth mm-hmm. and up until Dan Faust, the defensive back could hit that receiver all the way down the field. Right. Offensive guards, offensive tackles could not extend their arms. Defensive uh-huh. injuries, they used to do the head slap. So it was harder to stay in that pocket and it was harder to make that completion. Today, the receivers have that if five yards, you're free. They can't touch you. Mm-hmm. So you make the place happy. You have your timing patterns. And we have somebody that we all saw in a perfect moment. The guy gets hurt. The Wally, you know, Wally Pip was the famous guy who played for the Yankees, got hurt. His replacement, Lou Gehrig, comes into the game, and he never comes out for over 2,000 games. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, the quarterback got hurt. They didn't even start this kid. I know. I know. And I, and it, it sucks for Tyrod Taylor, right? Nobody wants to see anybody get injured or, or really the end of his career happens because of a mistake. Right by a medical personnel. Um, so, but the 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 end result, being able to watch the beginning of, of this, what what is is gearing up to be a, a fantastic NFL career. Um, I'm so thankful that we we get to experience this guy. Um, and going from I I'm I was born in '94, and so I yeah, it was a good year. It was a good year. We got we made a Super Bowl. My my point is, I have not experienced bad quarterback play um, as a, as a fan, which is a luxury. We went from Drew Brees. Well, I was, grew up on on Doug Flutie. Went Drew Brees. Drew Brees got injured. We went Philip Rivers, and then right after that, no drop off. One two games with Tyrod Taylor, and then we got this superstar in the making of Justin Herbert. If he's not already um, a superstar. Um, that that's so lucky to me because I know guy I know fans 20, 30 years who are still waiting for just an average quarterback. It, it's know. not. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Look at look at me. You know, ninety four was a great year. They that was a working class football team. They had a good coach. They had a good camaraderie. You know, Stan Humphreys made the big plays when he had to. Stan, yeah, he threw that third and thirteen. With Kevin Green in his face, he threw that third and 13 for 43 yards to Tony Martin in the end zone and put us up 14-13. And we, that team, went to the Super Bowl. That team. No real fancy players on that team, but they worked together as a whole. This coach can do that to these players because they know what they have. They know what they have within themselves. And that's well, all. Yeah. And what I love about Staley is, is his communication. He's a commun- He communicates his plans to everybody. And I was hearing him talk on uh, the Chargers Weekly podcast, talking about how his, you know, when he has a guy like Kyle Vinoy who can do a lot of different things, or, or Derwin James who can do a lot of different things, before he just goes and tells them that they're going to do this, he asks them and he says, "Hey, Derwin, do you think 
would you like to play in the slot? Like, Kyle, would you like to play off-ball linebacker? Or would you like to be on the edge? He asks them, and then he shows them, this is a, a, a guy who I think you could mold your game around. This is kind of what I want you to be. Is this something that you see yourself doing? And if the, if the player's on board, he goes and, and he makes that transition for him. And so he's very communicative. He, he's very a player-first kind of coach. Um, and you're seeing these guys, guys who weren't coming to uh, organized train, you know, um, the optional training camps are now coming out, going through workouts with the team because they want to be a part of this. And they really, really respect what Brandon Staley is saying. He's a great communicator. I love hearing that guy talk about football. And, uh, you know, it's a good point because when, when, when I personally worked in construction, if you had a foreman mm-hmm. who would speak to you and explain things, what it do, and actually, even though you, you got to give him a day's work, he could communicate with you. It made it easier. Right. It made it easier. And th- that's that's important. These players have an understanding that he's offering them ownership. Mm-hmm. They have ownership in the team with their thoughts and their physical abilities. This is what we're going to do. What's your opinion on this? This is how we're going to happen. And because we, we were always a team with innovators. You know, right. Sid Gilman was an innovator. Chuck Chuck Noll was a coach for Sid Gilman. Chuck Noll went to the worst team in football, took his Sid Gilman approach of offense, but made sure he built a great defense. He won four Super Bowls. Joe Gibbs Gibbs was a coach of Don Coryell. He took his skill of Don Coryell. He had a great offense, but he made sure he could run the ball and have a strong defense. So the, the people that were there in the beginning, and I'm hoping now finally that it turned back towards us, that the karma comes back to us, that we have the coach with the, the even the people that he's picking. Mm-hmm. Staff, all people have an understanding of how he's looking at the game. We never really had that before, you know, in the Rivers area. We had, you know, uh, at a point of the game where we could always get hit. Mm-hmm. They could hit us, what I mean, with a pass, with a sack. Right. It was always something that could, was going to go wrong in the game. We could, mm-hmm. never, we could never put a team down. Yeah. Yeah, and and I feel so bad for Rivers because he, he had some such terrible injury luck just with the guys around him because it seemed every year, you know, we'd be uh, a, the, the favorites to win the division and then – Early on, you know, miss a key a key player go down to a brutal season-ending injury, uh, and that was really kind of his career. He would then be forced to carry the team himself, and sometimes will him into the playoffs, but just couldn't get enough. Um, you remember that playoff game where he was playing on a torn ACL? Um, what if he was healthy that game? You know, you know, you never know. Um, that 2016 LT came limping into the playoffs. What if he was fully healthy at the end of the year? You know, that's a completely different outcome. So I, I feel so bummed for those teams because of the talent construction. You felt like we're close. But this team, it, it, the, the the excitement and the potential level is completely different, I think, compared to then. Like, the expectation is sky high. Like, where do you see – what are your expectations for this team going into 2022 season? Well, like I said, my, uh, my background in, in sports and life is, uh, you know, um, speak softly and carry a big stick. 
You know, I, sure. I, I see talent. Yes. Let the talent perform to their ability. And this is what I say to uh, uh, Brian. Mm -hmm. Beat us. Beat us. I like it. You know, you're a better team. Beat us. Fine. We're not going to let you. We're not going to lose to you because you, uh, you're not better than us. If you're a better team, beat us. That's my approach to the game. I think this young man has the best – Every it things played out because he. I think he had like three different coaches in college or four yeah. different coaches. This is his first year in six years that he's uh has the same coach in back-to-back -back seasons. So And same offensive coordinator. That's insane. Right. So that, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. What made, that's what made the, you know, the analytic experts decide, no, this kid's not showing anything in college. But at the end of the right. day, some of the best people, Johnny Unitas never, he, he, he was a reject. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. He mm -hmm. started with Pittsburgh. They got, they got rid of him, and he went to Baltimore. The rest is history. So yeah. sometimes you got to get karma comes back to you. And in this case with us, this kid fell to number six. That's And the rest is, is history for us. So I think these players know. Yeah, that there is an opportunity for them that their skill talent will not be wasted if they get the opportunity to utilize it to put mm. themselves if the offense can put the defense in a position to make things happen yes if the defense can put the team offense in a position to score they will the two words I'm bringing into this year yeah I'll light up my camera is short fields. I like it. Defense has to create for this team short fields. We don't prove after prove every now that Herbert has to go 90 yards like he did last year. And short we say he, we know he can do that. Give this yes. man some short fields. He's going to he's going to throw for 60 touchdowns. Short fields, even if he gets free. Every time we get the ball, score points. And that defense going to be hungry on that. Mm -hmm. Because they know you know, you take care of the guy who's taking you to the dance. And and uh, the running back situation for the last few years wasn't really good for us. I no. think I'm hoping that this kid, at the, the new running back too, is going to help us. If we can run the – imagine if this, you know, like if we had like a Derrick Henry. Imagine. <laughs> Tennessee, I see, is a very good team because of him. Right? Yeah. Well, you can run the ball. We have an offensive line now that yep. 
is not the offensive line of three years ago. It's not even close. People who know what they have around them. We have the intelligence. We have the experience. We have the youth in left tackle. We have the youth in right guard. And Trey Pickens, I'm pulling for. I think they see something in this kid that uh, could make him, like, you know, make it work. We'll see yeah. on that too. We'll see let's that. get it. Let's get into some training camp stuff. Um, and and so we haven't had a training camp episode yet, and so there's a lot to cover. And so to, right now, I feel like the biggest training camp headline out of Chargers camp is the fact that Derwin James is still not out there going 100, percent and now he he's been physically present at every practice so far. Um, he's going through walkthroughs. He's been seen coaching up the rest of his guys on the sideline, but he's not fully participating and he's not going to until he comes to an agreement on a contract extension with the team. He's looking to become the highest paid safety in the league. And, you know, for good reason, he's one of the best safeties in the league right now. If, if he's not the best, his versatility is unmatched. He's a tremendous leader, extremely productive when he's healthy and on the field. And while he's negotiating his future, he's decided not to risk injury uh, until a deal has been agreed upon. And I'm okay with it. To me, I understand that the NFL is a business. You know, these are very, very complex deals that we're talking about, millions and millions of dollars on the table. And so I have no problem with Derwin wanting to get his. You know, he's earned it, in my opinion. Um, and this has rubbed, you know, some Charger fans the wrong way, comparing it a little bit to the Melvin uh, Gordon holdout a few years back. Um, I was curious to get your thoughts, Anthony. How do you feel about this Derwin James holdout? And do you think we are going to get a deal closed on soon. I think they have to make a deal. I think yeah. Derwin James, I think in two different training camps, he got hurt at the end almost, then we lost him. Okay, so he knows that. Mm-hmm. But he also knows that he has the best opportunity to really show his skills now. He's yeah. finally being surrounded in front of him, mm-hmm. alongside him, and behind him where he can be something that I'm trying to remember who that great free safety the 49ers had that used to be all over the field. 49ers. Um, or somebody like that, you know, that was always right out there. The, the Steelers had the guy who could work the, the secondary like. And I think he, you know what? It is a business. You deserve your money. You're the one at risk. I, I, I wouldn't want to be paid less when I'm working 40 stories in the air. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they get it through. That, you know, um, and, and, and maybe this is a way of the charges and him, like, you know, uh, sort of like playing this out so he doesn't have to practice because they don't want him to get hurt. Because really, if you think about it, he, he is, we have glimpses, right, of the games where he used to come in and rush. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Put him now coming in a rush with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, besides the other guys in the middle, guys behind him. So there are scenarios now that Anthony has never seen. Uh huh. No Charger fan has never seen a type of defense on our team. We might have seen it on other teams. Sure. Defenses that stifled us the way the uh, the Patriots would have these great defenses. Everybody knew their position. They really mm-hmm. the great names, but they knew at the moment what to do at the moment to get the ball back or put the ball in the end zone. And I want to see him sign yesterday. Yeah. 
Me too. Me too. And I think every Charger fan and every, you know, person involved in the organization wants to see him out there. But I think you make a good point, And it was kind of something that I felt the similar way. We have nine practices already. Derwin James doesn't need to prove to anybody what he's capable of doing. We all know that he's an absolute game changer. And so if you look at those nine games, Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, all the veterans, Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, they've been sitting out practices. Um, so, you know, most of those veterans are sitting out practices anyway, aren't, aren't really going full speed anyway. That's really going to start gearing up in this the, these next 10 practices. And once we get into the preseason, right, those are when those live reps are happening. So there was a good chance that Derwin wouldn't practice very much, even if he had agreed to a deal at the beginning of the training camp. So maybe that is something that they are kind of just don't want to answer that, don't want to take the heat from from Meteor fans, and they're just kind of like, hey, we're working on a deal. And so I, I, I feel like one's coming soon. Um, I definitely think it's going to happen one way or the other. Um, I think they're just working their way through, through the fine print. Um, and like I was saying, these deals are complex. We, as fans, kind of just look at the dollar amount and what is the cap hit, um, and that's kind of all we think about. But the negotiations that these guys are going through are, are grueling. Um, I mean, these are really complex legal documents that we're talking about. It's not just here, this is what you're getting, sign it. Um, it it's much more than that. But this is what the, the, the younger fans have to know, right? And this includes me. Mm-hmm. We might not have ever seen a defense like this on the Chargers. Yeah. We've seen great offenses. Okay? Sure. Rivers had a great offense. I seen Faust. You know, I watched that game against Miami. I watched Faust all the time. His nickname, MFIC, is a reason for that. Okay? He was fearless. He had the weapons he used. He had Charlie Joyner. But we might not have ever seen a defense like this. So we're all in for a treat. And I yeah. think they know within themselves that there is an opportunity here. Absolutely. Show the great defenses when the Steelers came on the scene. After, after Chuck Noll put that defense together, you know, the steel curtain came, was invented, you know. Every mm-hmm. team had these great defenses, and this might be ours. And, you know, we're noted for being a great offense. Great. Mm-hmm. Watch out. When we have a great offense and a great defense and a great special teams. There you go. And so that that's a perfect leeway into my next kind of topic here. Um, again, listening to Staley on the Chargers Weekly Podcast the other day, he was saying that the difference between this year's camp and last year's camp is that you're seeing elite competition in all three phases of the game. And since being brought into Los Angeles, Staley has, has always harped about being a complete football team. And last season, I think we were really just one third of a football team. We had an awesome offense, um, and that carried us to a lot of games. You know, the defense had some major holes. The special teams was just awful. And when you think about that, that should get you excited as a Charger fan because last year, I think we saw flashes. You know, we saw glimpses of the potential that we could be. You know, we came out the gates on fire, stumbled throughout the year, in the middle of the year, and came up just short of securing a playoff spot. But that was at 33% capacity, right? So now we have a completely revamped defense, brought in guys that fit the scheme that Staley wants to run. So he's going to be able to get after opposing offenses the way he wants to, the way he did in Los Angeles and was so successful there. Uh, We brought in all pros to our special teams unit, been diligently 
drafting athletic prospect in last year's draft and in this year's draft to help supplement the, you know, un sometimes forgotten third phase of the game, that special teams unit. This has led to all types of battles in training camp, whether that be individual battles, depth chart battles. We got position versus position battles. The competition in camp has been has been ramped up, um, no doubt, from last year. And it's going to undoubtedly lead to a better product come game day. So just early on, um, you know, we're only not halfway through training camp, but which battles have, have grabbed your attention early on? Well, what I really liked was about the special teams. Hearing mm -hmm. about the, the, the punter and the kick returner. That is so important to get that ball back and put it to create the short field. You don't have to go in for the end zone. Create the short fields. And the 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 kickoffs and the punts and putting them deep and letting them have long fields. You, you know, Mike Cyphers never really had a great, great defense, but he could punt the ball and, and trap yeah. the other team back. And, and um, the guy from Australia, Darren Bennett, he too was a great punter. So having a great punter and a, a kicker that's not going to miss field goals on us. Yes. Not going to miss the field goals that you put into the game. And the coaching, you know, Going after the person that can do the job. Everything, I think everything is analyzed. I think mm -hmm. that some coaches before might not have seen everything, but if you can't knock them because this is Staley's approach to the game. This yep. is his way of doing something. Every, every, uh, my parents were in the pizza business. Okay. The pizza store uses the same ingredients, but they make the pizzas different. Right. There's okay. the same ingredients. How you work the ingredients together gives you the end result, the end product. Right. So I'm saying I, I, I love this coach because he, he's afraid. He's not afraid to lose by going to win. And, that, and, and that's how I see it. Beat us. Yep. I love this mentality. I'm, I'm ready for that. My whole life, you know, uh, is with the Chargers were that uh, – that uh, what's that sword? Yeah, the sword of Damocles hanging over your head. That something wrong was going to happen in the right. game. Need us? You know, you don't have that uh, attitude years ago. Well, and I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's so frustrating. This, this, this playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. Like just going conservative with a, a slim lead when you should be, you know, going all out to add on to that lead because you have Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady over there uh, looking at a three-point deficit with t less than two minutes left, and they're laughing because they know that they're going to be able to get down and score a touchdown and win this game. And so when then you go to Brandon Staley, he doesn't have that mentality. He wants to win. And like you're saying, his mentality is you're going to have to beat us. We're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to try our best not to beat ourselves, and we're not going to play to lose. We're here to win football games, um, and I, I love that mentality because, to me, that's the essence of sports, right? My best versus your best. What do you got? Let's let the best team, let the best men win. So that I'm all on board for that. I love his mentality coming in. It's finally the mentality of the lightning bolt. Yes. Lightning bolt, it doesn't happen yet. You don't watch it in the sky travel and then boom. It comes on you before you know it, and it, it flashes. Mm-hmm. That's the mentality this team is going to have, hopefully for all of us and all our Charger fans. He's bringing that together, and his entire staff is on board with that. Yeah. Well, and I'm just excited that we finally 
addressed you know our, our special teams you know the the kicker situation for years has, has been so awful in, in san diego and then into los angeles um and so being able to find dustin hopkins last year i thought that was um a good good for the organization and then bringing him back i'm, I'm happy to have him back um and then adding this guy jk scott at, at the punter position um He's been impressive so far in camp, and, and the reoccurring word I hear when people talk about this guy is explosive. They just say he has an explosive leg. The ball explodes off his foot. They're saying that when he kicks the ball, it, it sounds different. Um, and you mentioned Mike Cyphers. We haven't had a legit punter on this team since um, Cyphers, and that was in 2015. That That is many, many years without a, a quality punter. And being able to pin te- teams back in their own zone um, – you know, taking out a lot of their playbook and letting us kind of key in on that offense, letting this defense pin their ears back and get after it. Um, that's going to lead to those short fields you're talking about. And that's going to in tune, put the, the defense in better situations, which is in turn going to put the offense in a better situation, which is what you're talking about, which is Staley is talking about. This is a complete football team. And that's what it takes at this level to, to win consistently week in yeah. and week out. You look at the chiefs with their, with their field goal kicker. Right. You give them a chance to get the ball and get in field goal range. In the NFL today, you can't get into field goal range mm-hmm. in less than a minute. They proved it against Buffalo. Yeah, those guys are automatic. Right. They have you know, one. That's Daniel, we want. we want that. I mean, and and I watched Daniel Carlson, you know, end our season. That guy's automatic. So, and I, I, I think we have a guy like that in Dustin Hopkins. He's been a vet in this league. He, he is a consistent kicker. And then you throw in the fact that we went out and signed an all-pro long snapper. Like this is a a, a un the thankless position. I, I can't name another long snapper in the league, honestly. Um, but you hear about this this guy, Josh Harris. He is a football player at the end of the day. A, a great leader in the locker room brings a contagious uh, level of confidence that rubs off on the other guys, and an impressive work ethic that he brings to the table. And I don't care what position you play. Um, being named an all-pro by your peers, that takes a certain level of dedication, a certain level of talent. And, and Josh Harris brings that aura about him. He is a, a football player, um, and he, he is an automatic special teams captain, but they're talking about him as, as a captain on the team in general. Um, what what do you think that, that – and then we're going back to DeAndre Carter. You, you mentioned him as the returner. I'm really happy to see DeAndre Carter back here. I, I was a big fan of Andre Roberts. Um, but DeAndre Carter is a much bigger threat in, in the offense. Um, it seems every day I, I turn on and look at the notes from training camp and he's has at least two touchdowns. I, I feel like he's the 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 has the most points out of any offensive player in camp so far. Um, what have you seen from DeAndre Carter and how excited are you for him to uh, be rocking the powder blue this year? Well, I caught uh, one of the um... – uh, clips on YouTube mm-hmm. one of the, after practice things. And one of the coach said, I couldn't get over his burst of speed live. Yeah. than what I saw on film that he's that much, that much quicker with the ball off the ball. That means a lot. That's that burst that you, that's that um, burst that the, the guy we just the Kansas city traded had. I forgot what's his name. Tyreek Hill. Right. Not going left to right all the time, but that burst off the ball. Right. Quick, quick movement. Mm-hmm. This guy has that. The coach picked up on it. They saw that. And, and I think that, that that comes into play big time with us. That mm-hmm. we, 
we I think it was a David Long. We had a long snapper for a long time that was very good, consistent with the charges. Having that long snapper is important. Is important. Every part of the whole is just as good as the other part. Right. And and with we we said earlier, they're looking at the whole as all the parts coming together, not as a mosaic. So when they when the parts come together, it's seamless. Mm -hmm. It's working as one. And that's the ultimate goal. But, um, they did a biography on Vince Lombardi. And mm -hmm. watched, and there was an interview with Bart Starr. And Bart Starr would say that Vince would say, practice to um, become, reach for perfection. And Bart Starr would say, you know, he said, we knew you couldn't, no one could be perfect in life. But what you strive to get to perfection, you get excellence out of it. So excellence is something that is doable. The teams that have been consistent in the past, mm -hmm. we can all say they had excellent teams. They performed yeah. in all different aspects of the game. They didn't rely on the arm of the QB. If the defense had to make a play, if the special teams had to make a play, if a trick play had to make a play. Remember that two-point conversion in 2006 when they went for the tie? Oh, yeah. He, he, they snapped it to the running back and he went right into the end zone. I still see that. And who caught the pass that uh, Quentin Jammer was defending? An ex-charger. Shay Caldwell caught that touchdown. To was it Caldwell? I don't remember that. Yes, trust me. I, I believe you. I've just, I was just, it, it's a long time ago, um, but I, I trust you. you yeah. Your memory has been, you have all of the uh, Charger highlights. It seems like you have like a photographic memory. Can Do you, do yeah. you have a photographic memory? You just remember the, the highlights. Well, ask me where my keys are. Ask me where my glove is. <laughs> ask me where my glasses are. I can't tell you. But the Chargers, it's been joy. So why? In life, this is how it works in life. People that are unfortunate and have bad memories, very hard for them to forget them. I was raised by immigrant parents. I had a great life. I have a wife, two wonderful daughters. Um, so I choose to remember everything because it's all good. Why should I forget what's good? What's bad is bad. It's not going to leave you. So I rather, I store it in the back and I keep in front and the charges, even though like when they lost to the when they lost to the Patriots in 2006, mm -hmm. I didn't go to work the next day. I didn't go to work the next day. I was I, devastated. I was devastated. Okay. I expected more uh the way they and I, I you know why they lost that game? Because why? of the media. Because all they kept talking about was uh Wade Phillips going here. And the um, who was the offensive coordinator? Cameron at the time? Cameron, they're all going here, they're all going there. So what do they do? They don't play to their strengths. Mm -hmm. They didn't they didn't go for the juggler on defense in the first half. They should have been more than 14-10 up. Because they were they were playing for the cameras. Yeah. We don't want that anymore. No. Right? And the and the so when the media, everybody falls on the charges, they fall on, they, 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 
they like to talk good on the charges. So when the charges fail, they can say, ah, you see the same old charges. Right. That's not, that's, that's a burden we as fans have to understand because of the past and make happen. Not again. And I think that this coaching staff has that understanding of making it work with the plays that they have and letting the players know that they can make it work. I mean, we never had uh, Fred Dean never had a bookend right on the charges. They never really had that, you know. And what is uh, Gene Klein for the record was the worst owner the Chargers ever had because he let players walk. Mm-hmm. They went to Super Bowl teams and left left us. Yeah, AJ Smith was going to let. Chris Dealman walk. Right. Chris Dealman was a great left tackle. He was going to let him walk. Yeah. Dean Spanos went into that deal and, and off gave him more money. And we kept it uh, till he got hurt. He was a great left tackle. And so sometimes, you know, the input has to come from outside the source. But in this case, for us, this coach, these players, his staff, his ownership, Mm-hmm. Know that we only lose if we lose, and we win because they won't be able to beat us. We, you know, we're not going to go. Everybody wants the young. No one wants to go seventeen and zero, whatever it is, nineteen and zero, and come to that last game like the Patriots did and lost them. Yeah, <laughs> that's nothing. You know what I mean? And to lose to the Giants to Eli Manning twice. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Giants, both those giant teams. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. 
Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. That Grady lost to had great defenses. They did. That, that I always talk about that Eli. I always think that um, you can give – they should have gave the, the MVP to anybody along that defensive line for New York. I think – Eli got it by default because he played the quarterback position, which at the time was just the quarterback for the winning team gets the the MVP. Um, but to me, I, I thought it should have meant Strahan or Justin Tuck or or Pierre Paul, any of the guys on the defensive line, because those guys were absolutely a terror that entire game and got Brady out of his out of wax in, in, in a way that I've never seen this man kind of play. He played a different. Tom Brady in those New York Super Bowls is a different type of Tom Brady than we're accustomed to seeing, right? They were in his face. They were playing, they was playing street ball on him. Yeah, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it. Um, does not like to be roughed like up it. like that. And they didn't let him breathe. Um, I've always said that that anyone on the defensive line should have got it over Eli, but that's the way it goes. Well, that's what um, the movie is. You give it to the QB. But yeah. Eli got the two the the two big passes. And he made some plays. I won't take it away from him. He made some plays, but to me, that that the tone, the, the the unit that won that game to me was the defensive line, just dismantling the Patriots' offensive line and getting the best player on the field, which was Tom Brady, um, to look like one of the worst. Absolutely, and I couldn't even watch that game. I couldn't watch that game. It, it was one of those like I, I, no. I stopped being a Giant fan. Because I'm in New York. I was always acknowledged right. as a giant fan. Even though I went for the Jets in Super Bowl three, and I went for Kansas City in Super Bowl four, because they were AFL. Uh-huh. My second favorite athlete, that's my favorite athlete who's not a Charger, like to be on record, is mm-hmm. Lenny Dawson. Okay. For the quarterback for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He did a lot for the AFL. He beat that team. You know, after Super Bowl four, it was the NFL that ran to the table. Okay, let's get this deal done. Because the AFL had just won the last two Super Bowls, and mm-hmm. the, and the AFL had, you know what? We could we'll stay on our own. It was the NFL said, no, we got to get them on the board and get them. Uh, and today's football is AFL playing, throwing the ball, jerseys on the back, official time uh, with the scoreboard, two point conversion. Those are AFL rules. The NFL, as a kid, was run, 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 throw a quick square out. That was it. They had no no life. And today they realized where the money is. The money is that ball going 30 yeah. yards down the field. Absolutely. Catch it. So we have we have a team that can do their job with the tools that they have. We have a quarterback that we all pinch ourselves every day. This young man is when they did the interview, you know, I have that T-shirt. I have that same T-shirt. And they show that picture of Herbert as a mm-hmm. little boy. Yeah. With that smile on his face. And that I have that T-shirt, uh, that Charger shirt. And you could see that there's that natural enthusiasm. This kid was raised right. Mm-hmm. He was raised right. You know, I could tell you one thing. You look at a building glistening on the outside, great windows, great chrome. The best part of that building you never see is the foundation. The right, okay. When you got a good foundation, you can do whatever you want to do. You can go as high as you want. So if to me, it's karma. Karma came back for us. Mm-hmm. We got the person 
that understands the moment. I think that's what the NFL guys know. The NFL guys who leave the field and go to broadcast booth, they know the one thing that we fans can only see in one dimension, like we're watching through our screen, right? We really can't feel it. Even when mm-hmm. you're there as a, a fan, you can't see it because you're surrounded by all these other fans. But the players who were there, they know the moment. They know what that feels like, to feel the moment. and think we have the person to make this work. Well, and you're, and you're talking about foundation. Um, for for Phillip Rivers, it seems like we just continue to never address the offensive line when he was a, a charger. Or he just didn't have good offensive lines for him. And then this this new staff has made a point to emphasize that offensive line because um, they realize Justin Herbert is the future and they want to protect him. He's been sacked over 60 times his first two seasons in the league. Can't have that if we want him to have the longevity um, and the successful career that we all envision him to have. And so we went out this year again, and I think got a, an absolute stud in Zion Johnson um, to fill out that right guard spot. There's been a big bright spot early on for the team. Um, and I feel, and if you talk to the guys are around the organization, they really feel like they struck gold again. Um, with After last year, we selected that all pro tackle in, in Rayshon Slater. Um, and then this year we went guard and, and added Zion and he's been really, really impressive. And whether that be media personnel or the coaching staff or even his own teammates, which you were saying like that is to me, the biggest praise is when guys like Corey Lindsley or Matt Filer guys have been doing this for a very long time. And at a very high level when they're saying, yeah, this guy's different. This guy is legit. That means a lot more than just mere you saying that we like the guy. Um, these are guys who, who know what it takes. Um, and, and they're saying, you know, they're already drawing the Zion to Rayshon Slater comparisons. And so the fact that the, vent, the vets are excited about them this early on in training camp when there hasn't been, there's only been, I think, three, maybe four padded practices. And so as an offensive lineman, when you're not going out and mauling guys, um, it's hard to be impressive, but he's going about it the right way, right? He's asking the right questions. He, he's studying the film. Um, he's standing up guys in the trenches when they do get in, into pads. And beyond that, they all talk about his mental acumen, his ability to play the game from the mental capacity, because it's a very cerebral position. Lots of people think that offensive line is just go out there, hit a guy, but it's much more nuanced than that. Um, and Zion is a very smart player. You mentioned Zion at the, the beginning of our broadcast. What what have you seen from him and as an ex-lineman? Um, how do you see him kind of fitting into to this offensive line that we're building? When you play the offensive line, you sort of play without an ego. You're, you're there. You want to be like a bee in the hive. You mm-hmm. want to be the worker. You want to go seamless across the board. You want to make things work easier for the right of you and for the left of you. And I think those are the positions. Dan Fowles had a great offensive line. Mm-hmm. He had a great offensive line. And and he couldn't, you know, he wasn't a mover. He dropped back in the pocket. So I, I see that when they're when they're picking this guy, you know, I never I never knew. You know, I don't really follow the college players as much. I didn't know how great Slater was gonna be or or Zion Johnson, but I did know that they liked him, so that was good enough for me. Yeah. He's got even this kid that they got from uh I think it was Georgia, the, the Jamari Sa- Salyer. Yeah. 
he's gonna he's gonna play. He's a big guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He's gonna find they're gonna find a spot in occasion where this guy's skill strength will mm-hmm. might it might just work for one drive. That what they want to do. So everybody's tool is gonna work for the moment that they need it. And I didn't know what you just said that he was sacked sixty times in the list. Sixty times, thirty-two times as a rookie, thirty-one times last year. Uh, and it looked like the way he throws, like he's never touched. So, how right. you, you know, the key is that run the ball, run the ball, run the yeah. ball, and then throw it when they think you're going to run it. Run the ball, put them on their back feet, and mm-hmm. then sack us 60 times. You know, everybody's talking yards. I don't care if he throws for 20, if he throws for 2,500 yards, we're winning a Super Bowl. That means we're running it. Okay, you put him in there when he's got to throw. You know, we don't have to win 50 to 40 anymore. We just have to win the game and stay healthy. And I think that that's the key, you know, to throw that ball because you have to throw it. Well, nine out of 10, the 10 time could be the one time because they were throwing the ball too on you. If you've got to score a lot of points, that means you're giving up a lot of points. Right. So that one time, if you're going back and forth, you make the mistake and they don't, you lose the game. So having a great running game, which we really haven't had, mm-hmm. I don't even remember when we had two, even, you know, when did we have two good, or the one year with uh, Melvin Gordon and, that was, and the last time he was here? The last year with Melvin Gordon, I think, was the best, the last legit backfield that we had because um, you had Eckler playing a complimentary role. He was explosive. Um you know, Melvin ran for over a thousand yard and had over 10 touchdowns. Um, that was the last complete backfield that I think we had. And, and we're gearing up to, I think, have that next talented backfield now with with the Isaiah Spiller edition and, and then Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree taking steps. I think we, you need to see a balanced offense um, because I think, you know, once we got into that Patriot game, we got into that Baltimore game last year. I thought we became really one dimensional. You know, Baltimore knew that we were going to pass the ball and it was going to be a quick hitting out and they were ready for it. And they kind of took us out of our game. The Patriots too. Belichick is too smart. He he identified it, some trends that we were going to and he exploited them. You got to be keep teams, you know, on their toes and, and a balanced offense does that. And so I'm really excited to see this this backup running back competition. Um kind of play out. And to me, it is, is an obvious battle between Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller. And the word around camp is that Kelly has just added a ton of weight, uh, but in a good way. He He's still maintaining the speed that he has. He just needs to figure out how to hold on to the ball. And um, Daniel Popper I, I was mentioning that he thinks it's a mental thing with Kelly, that he thinks he has all the talent in the world to make it as an NFL running back. Um, he just hasn't he doesn't believe in himself he, he's lacking that confidence you've seen him fumble um in just inopportune times early on in his career but i think you know he's having a good camp so far he's put on that weight that i mentioned um he's holding up in, in individual drills and that, to me he's the front runner just because he has the most experience but the potential from isaiah spiller is exciting I didn't know this, Anthony, that the guy was only 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21 until he can't legally buy a drink until Tuesday when he turns 21. He was the youngest player. Isaiah Spiller. Wow. He was the youngest player in the draft 
um, and we took them at 20 years old. So we are just entering, you know, the, we, we have no idea what this guy's, you know, potential could be because he's just so young, right? He hasn't even fully developed from a physical standpoint. This guy's still going to could potentially grow. Um, baby still right? he's a kid he's yeah. a kid and on top of it the guy could play football an absolute fantastic route runner which i think will complement um eckler nicely we're seeing a lot of two back sets uh which we haven't utilized in a long time um that would be pretty interesting to see give us the lombardi another dynamic to exploit and there's um, an offensive line now that can make those running backs uh Get open. Yeah. You don't have to get tackled, touched be behind the line. They'll get touched after the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. It, and it all goes back to that, that point that we're talking about. This is a complete, on paper, a complete football team. Um, we don't have very many weaknesses if we do. Um, and, and it's so early. I mean, we have no idea. And um, until pads get on, until we start going up in live reps against opposing, you know, other other organizations, we're really not going to know what we have, but just on paper and from what I've seen from the practices, um, this is a legit team that that is strong on all levels. Um, and I'm super, I'm super excited for this season. Um, that, let's you see. Know I, you know who I think is going to be a good sleeper for us too? Yeah, the, the tag defensive tackle we got from the Giants, Johnson. Austin Johnson is a beast. And, and that feature, that defensive line. When was the last time we, uh, you and I, or any fan that we know that we could say we had a front four that's that was dynamite? It was never. I don't remember no. a great front four. No, and and the and this and beyond that, um, the defensive line. That's a, that's a good thing that you mentioned. That um, the defensive line is so far early in camp has been on fire, and you have the clear runners. You know. It seems like Joseph Day, Johnson, they're going to get the bulk of the snaps up front. Um, but you have depth, which we haven't had in years. Morgan Fox was brought in for his pass rush ability. You still have Jerry Tillery, who who is supposedly improving in the run game. That um, needs to be seen. Then but we drafted Otito Agonia, who's a, a really strong run-stuffing. Right? Yeah, he's a big dude out of UCLA. But then you also have... Christian Covington, uh, Braden Fajoko has been making noise at camp. You had Joy Gozano uh, had a pick six in 11-on-11 11 11, uh, last week. Um, that's a lot of guys, and we're talking about maybe four or five positions, um, and that's seven guys that are – and then Ferris Mor uh, Merrill, uh, another big giant guy, a fan favorite from last year who yeah. ended up on the practice squad. That's a lot of guys, not a lot of spots. It's a good place to be. Um you want to have these tough roster decisions because that just means your football team at the end of the day is going to be better. Yep. And, and you know, I think he's going to have a great year, even though he's not a starter, is Chris Rump. I think he's going to come in. You know, he's going to spell either Joey or, or Khalil, right? Guys Rump. From the outside rushers. And he comes in after those guys are beating up the guard, and he comes in with his speed. And he, he built – I think I heard he built himself up a little bit too. Yeah, he's, he's put on some weight too. They see it, you know. You, uh, I hate to use food as an analogy, but when you go into a place and you smell the food is good, you know you get an appetite, right? These right. guys are these guys are watching themselves. They're seeing what they're surrounded with, and they know there's an opportunity here to make. I think so. Happen. And I mean, so for for me, the the 
additions of, of a Khalil Mack or a JC Jackson, Kyle Vinoy, Bryce Callahan, these veterans, it used to be the to get a guy, the, those guys, a, a guy that caliber to come to the Chargers, it used to be we have to overpay for him. I'm thinking of like Brian Balaga and, um, you know, Russell Okun, guys at the end of their careers that we overpaid for to get into Los Angeles because we had to pay them to come. That's not the case anymore. Pay, guys are making pay cuts. They want to be a part of what we're building. And the fact that we could see it as fans, but guys that are playing on it from opposing teams want to join, that's awesome to be a part of. I, and I'm excited that we are attracting guys like Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. They're pissed because they see that young boy. Mm -hmm. Everyone they wants to play with the guy. Sure. He's got the talent. He's a down-to-earth young man. And uh, they see opportunity because at the end of the day, you get – you get endorsements and whatever, and you make more money, and you're playing together to make history. And yeah. that that's what we never had. You know, we never had the ownership to put these things to play like this. And uh, with that team concept, all these players want to play. Mm -hmm. you know, they came out of Vic Fangio, where where um, Staley came from. So these these players that he's bringing on all have an understanding of how the game to be played in a specific way. So it makes it easy for them to gel, even though they want, they're coming from different teams. They all sort of had the same initial background test together. Yeah. Because they had the same coaches. So this is something that I think was part of Staley's plan altogether, to put together a seamless team that everybody understands, everybody else. All the winning Super Bowl teams of past that won more than one, mm -hmm. you dissect it, everybody played as a team. Uh, yep. Everybody played as a team. Everybody – and they had skilled players in those in those positions. You know. and, and loaded across the board, right? You have – you need depth at the end of the day. We had, we had the star talent last year at the top of the depth chart, and now we're building the depth because you need guys – it's an NFL season. It's grueling. Guys are going to be dealing with injuries as the course of the season moves on. You need guys to step up uh, when guys can't go 100%. Um, how excited are you for week one when we get the Raiders um, an, a, a sort of a revenge game right off the gate after they ended our season last year? How excited are you to get out there um, and go pop the Raiders in the mouth? We didn't. They didn't end our season. We ended our season last year. Well, you're you're absolutely right. We ended our season, and now Wilson Herbert. So we had no defense. They ran that. Was that you know? It was third and twenty-two. It's like the fourth and twenty-nine when the. I want to say. I want to say Josh Jacobs had seventy yards and two carries in the last two plays. It was something ridiculous like that. Chunk, chunk, chunk yards. Not like five yard, six yard runs. Like twenty yard, thirty yard runs back to back. To get them into playoff or to uh, field goal range, so um, I, I, you know, I see the I see the Raiders like any other team, any other team. Mm -hmm. The Raiders bring that, yeah, the, their fans with their gear on, but they're not bringing out Davis, they're not bringing Fred Belitnikoff, they're not bringing Ted Hendricks, the Mad Stork, they're not bringing Jim Plunkett. You mm -hmm. understand? You know, you want to hear uh, how irony works? In the 1980 season, the Chargers played the Raiders the first time. They destroyed them. Not only did they destroy them, 
they sacked Dan Pastorini so bad he was a starting quarterback that he broke his leg and had to leave the game. So who comes in that game as backup? Jim Plunkett. Heisman Trophy winner couldn't get a starting job anywhere. Al Davis signed him. Jim Plunkett takes the team to the championship game. Championship game in San Diego, 1980, right? You're just hearing this, right? I'm going to explain this to you from what I remember, right? Third play of the game. Plunkett throws a ball, hits his receiver, his running back, goes off his hands, goes into Raymond Chester's hands, goes down the field for a touchdown. That's the year that they changed that rule. That rule was like in the between the Raiders and the Pittsburgh, the ball can't go from same team from one player to another player without touching the defensive player first. That would have been, but that year, that rule was changed. They scored the third play of the game, they scored a touchdown, and we never looked back on that. We never we put we put the Raiders in that Super Bowl that year. We did. And but they they beat Philadelphia that year. They won. They well, won. and I we'll, think we will win this game. Like we will win all the games we have to win. But to me, it's just, you know, I I I, I when I see the Raiders, I see Al Davis, I see Kenny Stabler, I see Fred uh, uh Daryl LaMonica throwing bombs, the mad bomber, you know. And mm-hmm. they had, they had great, but Al Davis knew how to pick players. You know, look, he was drafting guys from Pennsylvania and stuff like that. Matt Millen, he knew, they knew how to draft the plays that were Phil Villapiano, like hungry, you know? Those yeah. are kind of guys. And we had softer players, and they all, that's why they always won. And the only teams that beat them were teams that were better than them. It's who you want to lose to is the team better than you. Right. And so I, I really don't have. To me, that's the biggest thing when I'm frustrated after a loss. It's because the only time I'm frustrated after a loss is when I think we should have won. If you beat us, then hats off to you. Way go. It's going to make us better. We're going to learn from that. But when you as a team let it go, that's the most frustrating. I remember just feeling so sick to my stomach after that Raiders game. And I think a lot of, you know, last year, you know, Staley punting, when he's in his own 15 yard lines. I think a lot of that came down to the fact that our best player was Justin Herbert. And he wanted to put Justin Herbert in a situation to win us the game. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of faith in our defense or our special teams unit to get us out of that situation. So we leaned on the guy that we had confidence in and that's Justin Herbert. When you have a complete team, when you have a defense, when you have a special teams and an offense that is as, as talented as ours, it allows you to go for the win and not just play to to not lose. Um, you don't have to play to your team strengths when everything's a strength. You can just go by what the game is is demanding at the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know, when you you talked about like earlier about like devastating losses. You know what the worst one was? It hmm. I just look. You just remembered it was the Jet game, the two thousand nine Jet game. Oh they man, scared. They played afraid to lose to the Jets because of what's his name that that cornerback that they had, Darrell Vivas. Revis. I just played scared that game. Yeah, 
and, and, and I'm in New York. That one hurt. I, I that Tony, man, you fans. I hate that they played. They that that game all around. And, you know, okay, Kading, I think missed three field goals that game. Yeah. I give you another ironic thing. You remember Nick Hardwick? Mm-hmm. Great center, right? Yep. If you could find the beginning of that game on video, you will find that in one series, after we scored a couple, we made a couple of first downs on the initial drive, Nick Hardwick snapped the ball over River's head. He never, from 2002, I had direct TV in New York. So mm-hmm. I could watch every game, which I did. So games I I remember wins and losses. I never seen Nick Hardwick before that or after that ever snap a ball over the QB set. It was like destiny was hitting us in the face that day. Yeah, that was a bad one. That was a rough loss too. I, I you're all the way in New York, and I could feel your just knuckles right into my gut. That's another one. Um, that I forgot about. I must have put that out of my mind because it's so traumatic. Um, that was a brutal one. I remember and that's the game where Antonio Cromartie doesn't go when the running back on third yeah. end doesn't. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a. <laughs> so you understand? This is my therapy. You're giving me my therapy. Don't send me your bill now. You're giving me therapy. This I I remember everything, the good and the bad. You yeah, you have to know both sides when you, you want to get to the point. Because the day ever comes, and I'm waiting for everybody, but I'm waiting for Joe Lombardi to mm. hold that up. Absolutely. Well, and Grandpa, I, look what I yeah. got. Yeah. That's a first. And, and mentioning the karma, and you brought up those two losses. Um, I've I've been feeling for a while that Charger fan base is due. Um, we've had talented teams before. It, it, this seems like a different song and dance, right? It is not just a talented roster. There's expectations behind the talent. Um, and then you got uh, the leaders in-house in uh, to to conduct the band the right way. Um, I feel like we've been missing. We've had pieces, um, but this is the full puzzle, and we're getting ready to get it laminated now. Um, I'm so excited for this season. And the young Charger fans, they have to realize you got to – Look at the old film of baseball. Watch a guy hit a home run. Watch Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Frank Roberts. Watch them hit a home run, 500 feet or whatever. They run around the bases, their head down, they step on home plate, and they go into the dugout. This is business. Yep. Today we're in a different world, but that's the mentality the fans got to know. Hold it all in, went to the end of the game, and when it's yours, it's yours. And no one can take that away from you. I love that. And that's that's my energy with this 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 opportunity. You know, um I talk to more people that are fans because of how it grows, because of the technology and mm-hmm. the red TV and more games on. But before it was like me and myself and I, you know. Right. Like, there weren't that many other Charger fans. Oh, you have a Charger fan, you're a loser, this and that. They always go back to, you know, mistakes from the past. Yeah. Reminded of all the mistakes, you know. Dan Faust threw a lot of interceptions. Dan Faust looked at an interception as a punt. I mean, you're going to catch the ball, you're going to catch the ball. He wasn't afraid. He knew mm-hmm. 
he he changed that game. He he showed it. It was so. The Chargers were the first team. You remember in the '60s and '70s when a, a coach would send a play in, they would they would flop running backs. They would take a running back out oh. and put a running back in. That's how they changed the play midstream right. during the game. The Chargers were the first team to use hand signals. I didn't realize that they were See, trendsetters. We're always pushing the envelope. I love that. Who was the best backup quarterback ever with a rocket arm and never played because of Faust? Ed Luther would send the signals in by hand to Faust, and that's how the Chargers were seamless like that. Their offensive play calling was second to none. They should have standard. And, um, but they never had the full package because the ownership wouldn't spend the money. They had, and they, they didn't have the marquee plays on defense that they needed to go with the marquee plays they had on offense. Secondary, other than Gil Bird, wasn't, uh, Gil Bird was a great cornerback. Uh, yeah, at absolutely. Here, I hate to bring up bad things, but it's not. Just an understanding. In 1983 draft, we have three first-round picks. Three. Mm-hmm. Number five, they took on a player who makes it to talk radio, never even made an all-pro, Billy Ray Smith. Then they took 22 and 23. Gil Bird, they got a good quarterback, mm-hmm. a cornerback. And then they took Gary Roberts and Gary Anderson, we had to wait two years because he went to the USFL. And there was Dan Marino there. There were other players there on defense. They So if you don't have a team that's using the source of how important three, well, I kept on reading it, the Chargers have three number one picks next year. If you look back on that draft, you look back on that draft, and you look at the players that were taken, that uh-huh. came from the Charger, you realize that. They, they were really on top of their game as a team-wise because that's ownership. Yeah. When it, when it's not on the field, it's off the field, it's ownership. And ownership includes coaching staff, scouting staff, ownership. If you're going out there and you look at the teams that find these plays that come out of nowhere, they're looking. They're looking. And I think now we have – I now now Dean knows mm-hmm. the right building. He knows he's got the right market. He don't have to share steal anything from the Rams. There's just enough of everybody. Absolutely. There's enough. Well, there. And and again, um, we the last year's draft. Let's just take a look at the players that these guys added last year. They are all contributors already and they're only a year in the league we're talking about ray sean slater uh all pro tackle we're talking about asante samuel jr is going to be our starting cornerback again this year is one of our best defensive backs one of our best players on this team you're talking about josh palmer getting ready to take over the wide receiver three reps um one of those guys that i was kind of upset with when we drafted because you look at the stats and they're like they're just not there why did we draft this guy in the third round well that's why I'm not in the scouting department because those guys saw something in this young man he that I didn't catches. see. Great hands. He made big catches in some games. You're absolutely right. 
he's fantastic, and he, yeah. he's going to be a big part of this offense moving forward. Um, you got Trey McKitty, who, who's a little banged up right now, um, but he's the best blocking tight end we have on the league or in, in, on the team. Solidified himself as that blocking tight end is a big performer on our special teams unit. We have Chris Rumpf, who's getting ready for a you know to to step into a bigger role in the defense. But it was a core special teamer for us last year. Um, you got Brendan Hymas, who's a good depth piece along the line. Mark Webb has been making splash plays with Derwin James um, sidelined so far early on in camp. He's so he, looking. He's somebody from last year that got hurt. Is that it, Mark Webb? Mark, Mark Webb was was banged up a little bit. Didn't play a whole lot. Um, but he's looking right now. Is in depending on how you shake out the secondary depth chart is db6 db7 he's been taking a lot of dime and nickel reps out there um and, and then you got larry roundtree who i'm not a, a big fan of but he's still a contributor i still not given up on him yet i think he just needs some time to to show what he has but that is a lot those are a lot of good oh and then nick neiman um who's also been making plays throughout training camp and is an all pro special teamer for us last year those are all nailed picks, in my opinion. Yes. And then we go into this year, um, and all of the guys that we drafted this year are already making plays in training camp. And so it, it brings me back to the point that everyone's clicking. Coaching staff, players, the the front office group, we're making, we're building towards something. Um, and it's, it's so exciting to see. We're going to get our intra-squad scrimmage going tonight at 5 p.m., um, which is all going to lead us into – our preseason opener next next week, um, Saturday, August 13th, against the Rams in SoFi. Chargers are going to be the designated home team. Um, that gets kicked off at 7 p.m. Pacific time. I'm super excited. Football season's here, Anthony. Yeah, and I it's it's here. You know, I think they'll, they, they, yeah, NFL knows how to market their product. All those – in the past, they would only do specific. Now they realize the more people see, the more they want. Yeah, they're gonna. I'll see that game. Maybe it'll be on at midnight or two in the morning, depending on the on the NFL network they'll play. I'll have it recorded and I'll watch that game. And like I watch all the uh, all the games anyway. But you, you know, the, the talent base as you're talking about, they see themselves. So the defensive line can take a half a second quicker. That means mm -hmm. the secondary has gained a half a second in catching the ball. If the secondary can be more pressure, then that gives the defensive line a half a second to get to the quarterback. So the two ends create at the same time that inertia. It's like you're throwing a ball. If you don't have nothing to catch it, it keeps on going. So from the defensive side line or the defensive secondary, they work as – we look at what worked in the past, and you'll see if we follow that same kind of mechanism with our players. You know, there was one player we talked about running back before that I loved as a charger. That was Danny Woodhead. Mm. And where did Danny come from? Patriots. And he had that mindset of being able to be big in the moment. Yeah. And if you look at the Patriots, it wasn't that they always threw teams out. At the, the key moments in the game, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't fall apart. They knew the moment, and that's a big reason. But beyond just the talent, um, the biggest reason I was excited about adding J.C. Jackson and Kyle Vinoy 
and guys like Troy Reader, they've won Super Bowls. They they understand that it takes a level of dedication that not everybody and every team is willing to put in. You know, there's a reason why. Show them the ring. Show yeah. them the ring. That's it. They want. Show them the ring. This is how you do it. And that's the thing. I think every guy who makes it to the NFL inherently, they want to win a Super Bowl, but not everybody knows how, right? It, it's like that that scene in, in um in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, that island that you can't find unless you already know where it is. You need someone to kind of show you how to get there. Um, and that's why I like adding guys that have done it before because it, it's different. It's not just the want. There's a, beyond just the want, there's a little more that it takes. They they see it because you can't knock it. The guy, the guy knows what it feels like, you know? It's, mm-hmm. How does it feel like to, to uh, work 40 stories in the air? Well, I... You can't describe it if you never did it, but you can describe it if you have done it to the other person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so those experiences, having those people on your team as coaches or as players is the right way of – more than players, more than players, if you peel back all the leaves or the edges or however you want to say, if you look back, the biggest disappointment for me was always ownership or the team concept of what needed to be done. We right. always had great plays, but never the whole. Never the whole. Look at all the winning teams, the whole. The, the Cowboys, I don't know if it was about money. The Cowboys always put people together. The 49ers always put people together. The Packers mm-hmm. did it with Rodgers, but they were the, the Steelers. They were always, and when, once they got Belichick, New England, they realized that get the right plays. And you look at the, like, uh, Kenny, the coach from Tennessee, that, that guy from New England, he's a very good coach. He yeah. understands the game. And I think that that's, that's what we never saw as yeah. fans. That this, this is more than a 70-yard a touchdown. This is more of seeing something we're inside the screen room or making a movie where they're cutting the film to put the final product together. That's why the fans have got an opportunity to see. That's what they got to enjoy. You have to look at the game and take every play and understand that uh, Lee Iacocca once said, the system is the solution. How you put something together is how you're going to get the proper end result, the end product. And we're psyched. I know I am. I'm taking it day by day. I'm not rushing it. I'm enjoying everything. But there's an understanding. You have to beat us. That's it. Be a better team. Beat us. Sack him seven times. Intercept him six times. Don't hold us to no yards. Beat us. You're a better team. You're not beating scrubs. No. You're beating good players. Absolutely. Beat us. You look back all the other teams, they had that mentality. Yeah. That mentality. The Chargers before the year you were born. Is that when you were born? 94. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Chargers that year, that was, that was a special year for me. One day I'll, I'll tell you why. But opening game, I knew they weren't going to lose that night. It was. You knew? Yeah, I knew. Something was going to happen that night. I we had gone to uh, New Hampshire for a week. Took mm-hmm. the girls. We 
had a great week vacation before school started. School had started late in uh, New York that year. And, you know, the game started off bad. Opening kickoff for a touchdown. We were losing at the end, but Stanley Richard intercepted a pass at the end of the half, took it to the house, and then the Chargers took the lead. And at the end of the game, the the, the Broncos are driving. Elway goes to throw the ball, and the ball falls right out of his hand. Man. And it goes right into Junior's hand and, the, and seals the game. I'll text you why. Okay. The Chargers were not losing that game. And I mean – Okay. And that game was special. They won't right. the Super Bowl. Well, and 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 I'm interested to see what, what that feeling was, but um just to to get us, you know, wrap this episode up, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Quick, way too early, seventeen game prediction for the Chargers this year. Where do you see us uh finishing in a win loss record? Well, um I tend to be cons- I'm a liberal, but I tend to be conservative when it comes to the Chargers. But I, I, I'll say twelve and five. Love it. All right. I'll say 12 and 5. You know, okay? And those five wins are not going to – they might be uh, a letdown one day and stuff like that, but uh, I'll say 12 and 5. 12 and 5, and the, and the AFC West um, is no joke. Um, no. That is going to be a very, very good football team, and I, I think it's doable. You know, that's not far-fetched to say this team um, goes 12 and 5. I, I think it's definitely doable. Um but again, it leads back to what we've been saying this whole time. Got to live up to the talent. Got to put the, the the product on the field come game day because that's when, you know. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. A lot of things could happen, um, but I'm so excited for this season. I, I can't wait. Um, before we, we sign this, close this episode up, is there anything you wanted to end on, Anthony? Uh, other than it's it's such an honor to have all fans out there. that you can, It's like finding family. It is. It's like finding family. You know, I, I have big kid. My parents are immigrants from Italy. I have family that still there. And yeah, and anytime you find family or friends, they're not enemies. No. So that's it's, a good thing. That's honestly been the the most exciting and the most fun for me uh, about this podcast is all of the Charger fans that I had no idea existed um, all across social media and then being able to meet these people when I did go to SoFi, um, hanging out in Chargers Alley, you know, all of the diehard bulk club events that get thrown or get thrown or um, that get thrown. All of these things are, are great. And um, yeah, it, it's a community that I've been missing my entire life. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of. Um, and it's a very exciting time for all of us. So just let me add two quick things. Go for it. The, at the end of the 95 season, mm-hmm. the Chargers have a game, the last game of the year at Giants Stadium against the Giants. That's that thing. And my cousin Joe had gotten me two tickets. I took my daughter, Teresa. She was in 95, 87, eight years old. We went to that game. We ended the season December cold. But that's the famous game where they threw the ice. The Jet fans who had the seats because the Giants were yeah. out of here. They threw the ice and almost killed the guard. Right. The the, the coach on the charges, the Vietnam vet. Yeah. Why Vietnam and almost died because someone threw a piece of ice from the stands on him. Yeah, crazy. But we were sitting in the upper deck behind the end zone. And when the Jets were driving, we watched Sean Gale get that ball intercepted and go up and then down the right side. Like we had that panoramic view right down the field. 
And the next game we were at years later, we were at that game at Giant Stadium, and my daughter wore her LT jersey. And they would heckle her, but she she knew how to handle herself. She's a tough person. And that's the game with uh, when they took the lead. The, the Giants, Rivers got the ball, the Chargers, and he hit. He hit first, then he hit uh, Darren Sproles for 60 yards over the middle. And at the end, we were sitting in the upper decks on, let's say, Philip Rivers is going from right to left. So we're on his left side, let's say. Mm-hmm. And he throws that ball. So I watched that ball go right arc, right into Vincent Jackson's hands. And we scored, he scored that touchdown. We beat the Giants there the last minute of the game. And my daughter goes, well, what happened to the crowd? <laughs> what happened to the crowd? But the thing was, when we left that game and we were walking back to the to, to train, mm-hmm. we were, I couldn't believe all the Charger fans that were there. Interesting. Big time, a lot of Charger. Maybe Charger fans that weren't from other states yeah. Went, yeah, came to up to New York to watch a game. Like I, I went, my brother has in-laws in New Orleans, so his his wife's uncle took us as a season ticket holder to the Saints. I seen a game with Chargers lost that game. That was that game when Melvin Ingram on a third and 13 got called for roughing the passer. Yeah. And uh, we lost that game to the, the Saints. That was that was the noisiest place I have ever been in my life. 90,000 people screaming. But so I, I've been on both sides of the coins like that, you know, always. Uh, but I remember them. I remember them all. And to all the fans out there, you think positive, you make it happen, and you go with your best. Beat us. If Let's you're better than us, beat us. It's not going to happen all the time. We're going to win. And everybody knows that. It's fine. It's fine that they look at the charges and they can't speak it. They can't point out a specific spot to drill in and attack and create a crease. Mm-hmm. Only help. Will hurt us. Yep, yep. It's it's us. It's us versus us at this point. Um, so excited for this upcoming year. So much to be um, looking forward to. And so thanks for everyone for for listening in today. Thanks so much, Anthony, for joining me today. It was I a lot of fun talking with you, Brian. Brian, was that? Brian. And yeah. Shout out to Brian Rick, who who I originally reached out to to join me today. Uh, apparently, Brian is camera shy. Didn't want to come on, but introduced me to Anthony and I'm very thankful um, that that we were able to meet and it was really nice meeting you um, talking football I always here to talk football so anytime um, feel free to hop on here but yeah thanks again um, and yeah Tyler will be back next week that's going to be it for us on shock therapy thanks for tuning in we'll catch you guys next week <laughs>